to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. this morning? Yeah. All right, take your Bibles, go to Romans chapter 16. It's really amazing when the Lord puts you in a vein as a teacher and a preacher, it seems like everything that you read in the Bible pertains to that vein all at once, even if it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it could say, you know, Maccabees, and you would say, praise God, that's revival in the Holy Ghost, glory to God. That's it's the Spirit of God moving. And then you go and says, Ezekiel, yeah, praise God. That's and that's just the way the Holy Ghost moves. When he wants to move, he will make sure you've got all the material to move with. Praise God. Hallelujah. How many are glad about that? Yes. Well, I certainly am. I don't know if you are or not. Praise God. All right, Romans chapter 16, are you there? Yes. All right, look at verse 20. It says, And the God of peace shall bruise or put or keep Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Say Amen. amen. Now notice this scripture tells us that there is a generation before the end times comes who is going to walk into a place where the devil lives in one place and that's underneath their feet. You're not going to be battling the devil anymore. You're not going to be struggling against the devil anymore. You're not going to be fighting against the devil anymore. You're going to be walking on the devil on a continual basis. And it's a generation of people who are going to do that because God has already ordained that the God of peace shall bruise Satan where? Under your feet. Now if this is going to be done, how many know it's not going to be done by man's great ideas? It's not going to be done by church's gimmicks? It's not going to be done by tanks. It's not going to be done by bombs. The Bible says everything God does is by the Spirit of the Lord. Praise God. So it's important for each and every one of us in here. How many, first of all, of you have the Spirit? Well, good. Praise God. Half of you. We'll get the rest of you filled later on today. Praise God. That's good. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So first of all, you have to know that you have the power. Say, I know. I have the power of God. Say, I really know that I have the power of God. Now, that's good, but you need to know what the power is for if you've got the power. So you can walk around your whole life and say, I got the power. Somebody will walk up and say, you got the power? Yeah, I got the power. What are you doing with it? I don't know, but I got the power. How many know that's not going to help? So first of all, you need to know that you have the Spirit of God. Number two, you have to know what the power will do. And number three, once you find out, you must start to use the power you have. If you don't use it, it just never will be effective in your life. How many know if you don't obey the Word, you don't get the results of the Word? You know, this morning we tithe. Well, when you tithe, the Bible says automatically the window of heaven are open and he pours out a blessing upon it you cannot contain. Well, what if I read that, know that, got that written on my mirror, but never tithe? How many know the results of that do not come? So it's the same way with the power of God. As you start to minister and operate in the power of God, and don't worry about whether it works or not at first. Just do it, for gosh sakes. And accidentally, it'll work a few times. See? It'll go to work accidentally, and you'll say, wow, this really works, praise God. Latasha and Pastor Tom and Ben and them were lying to me. They were telling me the truth about the whole thing. So you've got the power. You have to start using that power. And number four, in my opinion, you have to learn to give place to the Spirit of God. Now, this may be the toughest thing, even after you start minister, because how many know we all got our own will, our own agenda, our own desires, but you need to come to a place where you start operating in the Holy Ghost, say in the Holy Ghost. And let me say the Holy Ghost, a lot of people think the Holy Ghost is basically you, you stand here and you wonder what the Holy Ghost wants to tell you to do next, and he tells you to go here, and you go there, and he wants you to go there, and you do there. It's not. The Holy Ghost is described mostly as a flow. It's a flow. That's why the Bible says, out of your belly shall flow a... 
river. Why is that? What do rivers do? They flow. Thank you. Praise God. So it flows out of the inside of you. So once you get hooked up to the Holy Ghost, you start saying things without really thinking about things, doing things without really thinking about why I should do them or whether I should do them or whether or not. You just get in a flow of the Spirit. And out in the earth realm, you know, when you're in a grocery store and somebody walks by and they're sick or whatever, if you step into that flow, you will know what to do in that situation. And there's no pattern. Do you understand? What you do once it works, you don't do to everybody. How many know Jesus only spit on one man's eyes? After it worked, he didn't go around spitting on everybody, saying, praise God, this worked once. <laughs> no, because he was led and flowed in the Holy Ghost to where God knew exactly how to get over to that person what he needed to get to that person. So there's a flow in the Spirit of God. Say a flow in the Spirit of God. I mean, when I was growing up in the things of God, I was so hungry for God that I just wanted to learn how to flow. And so I watched people. Every place I went, I watched people. I was a watcher. Praise God. I watched how they operate. I watched how they did things. Some things I judged that I didn't like. I remember one time Benny Hinn was operating the power of God and, and devils were coming out and people were getting filled and the power of God was there and his little organist was sitting back there playing the organ in the background like she always does. This was her. I think her name was Cheryl. Yes. Like this. And all at once Benny got to a certain point point. he turned around and said, Cheryl, change that song. You know that much. And she just went and changed the song. I just said, oh, yeah, let me tell you what I've got for you, praise God. But what was he doing? He knew enough to flow in the anointing and what would stop that anointing from flowing. And Cheryl knew that he knew, and she knew that she should know. Are you following me? So it was just a correction that was given there. It was not supposed to be offensive. It was not supposed to put her down. But the anointing was so important to him to continue to flow that he had to do something at that time because he could feel the anointing waning. Are you following me? So basically he turned to her and just yelled. Well, I thought, what kind of, I thought he was a nice guy. That's the first thing that came to my mind. This guy's a prick, man. Come on. He's yelling at his organist. His organist who, who's there faithful every week smiling up there, playing the organ. And I wants to run. yell at her? I mean, that's ridiculous. But she just kept going. She understood it. So at that time, you know, I was slowly learning to watch people and how they did it. I, want, I wanted to learn how to flow. But the best way to learn how to flow is to get to be a good buddy of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That still small voice on the inside, it will lead you, it will guide you on a daily basis. Now, he doesn't have to talk to you 24 hours, seven days a week. He definitely doesn't have to talk to you audibly. But there's an unction in you, or some people call it your consciousness sometimes that on the inside of you. And if it lines up with God's word, it's probably the Holy Ghost. If it doesn't, it's the devil. It's not really that hard. The only hard part is knowing the Word of God and what the Holy Ghost is in agreement with and what He's not. Because how many of you know all of us grew up in some kind of religion and we were taught things that weren't true in that time. So you think things are of God that are not of God, they're of the enemy, and then when you do them, they don't work and you want to blame the Holy Ghost when you shouldn't blame the Holy Ghost because He didn't say it to begin with. Hallelujah. All right, got a First Samuel, Samuel chapter 16. It's a good pull in here this morning. First Samuel 16. Look at verse 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing that I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thy horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided a, me a king among the sons. Sons, notice, first of all, it says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him? Fill your horn with oil and what? Go. Go. Now, the first thing here that excited me was the Holy Ghost in the Old Testament is a type and shadowed by the oil. Say the oil. 
Notice, not by smoke, not by some kind of wind, but by oil. Say oil. Now, why is that important? It's because oil is a tangible substance. How many know you can feel oil? How many know you can feel the Holy Ghost? And one good thing about oil that I love is you ever put suntan lotion on you, and then you went and you tried to wash it off, it just bubbled up on top and one. Are you following me? Well, if the Holy Ghost is like an oil, then when he's all over you, no matter what anybody says to you, it's just going to bubble up and... Come on. It's going to bu- Somebody offends you, it just bubbles up and rolls off. Rub a little more oil on you. Whatever comes your way. Why? It can't penetrate into your skin at all, praise God. So it's oil. Now, how many of you know, how many of you have ever felt the oil of God? All right, how many know, but you don't have to? Because God said the Holy Spirit is already there, isn't he? So you don't really need a feeling to know he's there. You can believe he's there because God said he's there. And when you do that, there's more power in your life than when you feel it. Because it's easy to do when you feel it. It's hard to do when you feel nothing. And there's times when you move in the Holy Ghost, you don't feel absolutely nothing. And there's times you can feel the force of God flowing out of the inside of you. And it's easy to manifest in those times because you've got faith and you're feeling along with it. But when you don't feel anything and you just obey God's word according to his word... That releases the power of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you following me this morning? Some of you look like I lost you already. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So God moved in me. Say, God lives in me. The Bible says you are a temple of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says Christ lives in you, the hope of glory. The Bible says God is a habitation in you by the Spirit of God. Now notice, that's not enough just to be a habitation. Look what he says. You need to fill your horn with oil and do what? Go. So God not only wants the Spirit of God in you, but He wants your horn filled with oil. Now, how many know He's talking about your spirit, who you are on the inside? He wants to fill you with the Spirit of God. Well, if He wants to fill you, that means you can be unfilled or filled or half-filled or part-filled or whatever filled. But here He wants you to fill your horn with oil and go. Why does He want you to go? Because what's in your horn you used to pour on other people's lives? Glory to God. And if you've got oil in there, it's the Spirit of God active in there, things happening in there, then you can move out and use that to help other people who need your help, praise God. You know, the biggest problem in the church today are empty horns. See, people don't even know about the Holy Ghost. They don't understand the Holy Ghost. They don't believe they have the Holy Ghost. They don't believe they have the power. They're still praying for the power. Come on down. Come on down. Lord, let your Holy Ghost come on down. And he came on down a long time ago, praise God. And he's on the inside of us. So I'm going to put faith in the oil or the anointing of God that's on the inside of me. And you don't get filled with the Holy Ghost by doing a bunch of works. You get filled with the Holy Ghost by believing God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost and receiving the Holy Ghost just like you did salvation, praise God. Hallelujah. See, some of you this morning may be sitting there and say, well, that pastor showed up late this morning. My God, he missed praise and worship. He certainly isn't ready to preach this morning because he did not prepare long enough to do it. That has nothing to do with it. See, I believe in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I could have showed up 10 minutes late, 10 minutes early, whatever. I know the Spirit of God is on me to preach and teach, and I know he fills my horn with oil when I need to deliver it. So that's what it's based on. I'm not saying you can live a, a sinful life and expect it to happen. We can go on the other side too, can't we? But nobody in here wants to go on that side, do they? So there's no sense talking about that side. Praise God. We're going to move on. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay, look what it says. And the Lord said unto Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Say mourn for Saul. Now the problem with Saul is he did not like the word of God and the anointing, and he rejected the word of God and the anointing. And look what God, God says to Samuel, don't sit around bawling about it all day long. Don't sit about crying. So when you start to move out in the spirit of God and the anointing of God, you're going to run into people who do not want 
the anointing of God. Do not believe in the power of God. Do not believe in the Spirit of God. So don't go home and whine. And, oh, I tried my best to help them, but it, it didn't work. And I guess I just don't have an anointing, and I don't know what's the matter with Don't go there, praise God. If they reject it, move on, praise God. Jesus said, wipe the dust off their feet, take your peace back, and get the heck out of there, praise God. How many know that means you can? You can bring peace to somebody. You can take it back. Oh, you don't want it? Praise, see you later. Praise God. Put it right back here in my and I'll go. Praise God. So don't get offended. Don't get down and out. Don't get mad. Don't get upset. Praise God. Just move on and find someone who wants the anointing of God. Like I said last week or two weeks or whenever I said it before, most spirit-filled, really spirit-filled churches are, have 50 members. That's a large church, praise God. Why is that? Because you've got a lot of people out there that don't want to get involved in this kind of stuff because it goes beyond their natural under. Now, let me figure this out. Good luck. We'd go to that church, but people fall down all the time. The pastor just pushes people down and kicks them and, and kicks them in the foot, and then they laugh, and sometimes he even gets excited and spit comes out of his mouth and hits them and everything else. And, and we don't want to go to a church like that. Well, that's fine. You understand? It depends what you want. You can go as far as you want in God. He's not saying, I'm only going to take you here or there. He's saying, I give you the whole enchilada, baby. Now you go for what you want, and whatever you believe you can have. The Bible says, have what your faith expects. What do you expect? I expect just to make it through another day. Well, you don't need the anointing for that, praise God. You can just do your best and do what you want to do. That's it, the Spirit of God. So people are going to reject the anointing that you have on your life. They may reject you, but do not get angry. Do not get upset. Just operate in the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. All right, go to Luke chapter 3. I remember preaching some of this stuff when I didn't know what I was talking about. But I think it was in preparation for when I somewhat knew what I was talking about. You know what I mean? Praise God. So glory to God. All right, Luke chapter 3. Look at verse 21. And when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Ghost descended in bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. Here we see where the Holy Ghost or the oil of God came upon Jesus when he was baptized in the river Jordan. Here he was declared to be the Son of God. Say Son of God. God. Now what do sons of God do according to the Bible? Sons of God go around 1 John 3 something or other 8 I think and for this purpose the sons of God are manifested that they destroy the works of the the devil, praise God. So here is a son of God. What was his job? Destroy the works of the devil. How many know immediately after this happened, he started going around destroying the works of the devil. All at once the blind saw, the deaf, the deaf were healed, the reversal of the curse was taking place. This was the first time there was even a challenge to the kingdom of darkness back in the earth ever since Adam made the mistake. Because Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and his horn was filled with oil. This is when the decline of satanic rule began. Hallelujah, I love that. I always love that. The decline of satanic rule started to wane. Why? Because somebody with the spirit of God and something bigger than he had, the anointing started breaking yokes and burdens off of people's life. Glory to God. And all at once, Satan knew there was trouble coming. How many even knew that? Hallelujah. That's why he killed Jesus to solve the problem, but he created for himself many, many more problems. Praise God. All right, look at chapter 4. And Jesus being full of the 
returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he was afterward hungered. Now, how many know that's a fast? I mean, most of us make it two days, and we thought we'd just save the whole world, praise God. But Jesus went 40 days, say 40 days. 40 so here we see Jesus full of the Holy Ghost. What was he doing? He immediately started going, doing, undoing the works of the devil, healing the sick, casting out the devil, operating in the Spirit of God. Now look at verse 3. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones that make bread. Jesus answered and said, It is written, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of what? Now this is interesting. Here we go. Are you ready this morning? Yes. Spirit of God comes upon Jesus, gives him the power to destroy the works of the devil, gives him the power to decline Satan's rulership in every single area. The first thing that happened when he started flowing in the anointing, God spoke to him. See, if you're not flowing in the direction of God or the anointing, there's no reason for God to speak to you and tell you what to do. Once you start walking in it, that's when it starts happening. So number one, God spoke. Say, God spoke. God spoke. Number two, the devil challenged. Say, the devil challenged. So when you get in the anointing of God, sometimes you come up here and you're, you're indecision about something. We lay hands on you. You fall on the floor. You can hear clearly what you've been wanting to do the whole time and what God wants you to do. And you've got it. And you get up off the floor and you're so excited Sunday and glory to God. And then you wake up Monday morning and all at once you think, was that really God? I don't know if that was God or not, you know. I thought I heard his voice when I was on the floor, but I didn't know. What happened? Every word, notice, he comes to Jesus and says, you are the son of God. And the devil shows up and says, are you the son of God? Right. If you be the son of God. But notice how Jesus won the battle. This is so good. Simply with the word of God. He just said, it is written, period, and the devil had to go someplace. That's why you need to know. See, most, most people go in bondage that are Christians simply because they don't know the Word of God. They can't fight back with anything. They believe the devil when they don't even know it's the devil because they don't know the Word to compare it with to know the difference. If it's not lined up, if you wake up and it says you're sick, not God. God never said that. He says, by my stripes, praise God, ye are healed, praise God. So what am I going to do? I'm going to say, hey, it is written, devil. I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. In Jesus' name, adios, amigos, that's all we got to do today, praise God. And he comes to you and say, oh, your husband don't like you today. He never did like you. And, and but God, you know better than that. Do you understand? These voices that come, you can't get in agreement with them because you give them power in your life to do what they want to do in your life. So God's going to speak to you, but then basically the devil is going to challenge. Say he's going to challenge. That's why you need to know the word. All right, look at verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about, and he taught in all their synagogues being glorified of how many? All. Oh, now this is interesting, man. Here's Jesus, gets baptized in the Holy Ghost, probably had goosebumps or whatever they had back in those days. Praise God. He had the Spirit of God. He was released into the wilderness. He was declared to be the Son of God. Then he fasted for how many days? The Bible says he was out there tempted of the devil for how many days? The Bible says he was chasing wild beasts and fighting with them for how many days? And notice after all that stuff, he returned in the power of the Holy Ghost. See, some of you can't even make it to church in the morning. You've already had a fight with your husband. You've already kicked your kids. The dog, you don't care where he is right now because you're mad at him. And you get here and you think you're in the power of God. No. These little things that irritate you are for a reason. And they're not there to help you grow. They're to help you to stop flow. 
We could just stay right there, couldn't we? Everybody right now, oh, that stopped me. Oh, that's right. I never looked at it that way. That stopped me. I thought that was just my husband. I thought that was just the world. I thought that was just my bank account. I thought, no, no. All these things are there to cut the flow of God that's in your life and the power of God that's in your life. Notice Jesus went through all this stuff. And you say, my friends. How about his disciples? Dear God, they were his best, closest friends. And I'll tell you, they were a handful. Didn't know what they were doing half. They wanted to burn people up. Are you following me? And they were his prized students. They were his prized friends. One of them betrayed him. One of them was stealing off of him. And he had to put up with all that stuff. So it's not your friends. It's not your relation. It's not everybody else that stops your flow. It's you choosing to stop your flow because of what they're doing to you or what messes you up. That's why the, the Spirit of God wants to move on people's hearts and get rid of that stuff. You get you to a place where I am not going to get offended anymore. That's all there is, praise God, to it. It is done, and I'm never getting offended again, praise God. I'm not going to complain about things. Say complain. I'll tell you, complain's a good flow stopper. You want to put the stopper in, just start complaining about everything in the world, praise God. And all at once you'll feel like you've been zapped. So we don't want to complain. We want to praise God, don't we? Hallelujah. We want to talk about the Word of God. We want to stay on top. If anything, we want to praise the Lord at all times, like the Bible says. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right, look at verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Now, this was his custom. He'd been doing this all along. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place. See, he found the place. Notice, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised. Praise God. So notice here he found the place. He wanted it to pertain as a now word. Say a now word. Now so basically notice the first thing he said. The spirit of the Lord is where? The spirit of the Lord is where? Did he say the spirit and power of the Lord is in heaven? Did he say it's over there in revival? No, he said the spirit of the Lord is where? It's upon me. So why do we sing stupid songs and try to get the spirit of the Lord upon us when he's already upon us? Amen. Song after song, prayer after prayer, asking God for the power, wishing for the power. But notice the Spirit of the Lord is where? Say, He's upon me. Now, this is important because Jesus not only knew the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, but he knew why the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. See, a lot of people know the Spirit of the Lord is upon them, and they're, they're proud of that and great of that. But until you know what it's for, it's not going to do you much good. See, so Jesus not only said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because, say because, he has anointed me to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. First of all, he anointed me to preach. Say to preach. Now, how many of you know I'm not the only one in this church who's supposed to be preaching? You've got an everyday responsibility when you run into people to preach the word to your co-workers, to people coming in, to different places that you do. You need to preach the word. Now, here's Jesus. How many know he was the word? So he's the word for 30 years. Goes into synagogue, reads, never preached one sermon in 30 years. All at once, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, and he becomes a preaching machine. Amen. Now, why is that? Why did he need the Spirit of God when he was the Word to preach the Word? Because the Word would have never been backed up or manifested without the Spirit if he preached it before he had the Spirit. So he could have preached healing, but it wouldn't have happened. He could have preached deliverance, it wouldn't have happened. But once the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, he not only had the Word to declare, but the power in him to back up what the Word said. Hallelujah. So once he started preaching, and the Holy Ghost and Word go together. Say the Holy Ghost and the Word, they go together. That's one marriage you need to learn about. 
The Word and the Holy Ghost, they go together, praise God. When you speak the Word, He goes to work. When you complain, He sits down. When you moan and when you worry, He he sits down. You've got to continue Him working in your life, but with the Word of God. So what was it for? Not only to preach the gospel, but here it says to heal the brokenhearted. Say, heal the brokenhearted. Now, if you don't know the hey, you have the anointing, you don't know the anointing will heal the, the brokenhearted, then you'll sympathize with the brokenhearted. You'll pat the brokenhearted on the back. You'll leave them brokenhearted, maybe shake their hand. But when we come to the place where we know the Spirit of the Lord is upon us to break that off of their life and help them with their broken heart, we'll start delivering people. Are you following me? And it's good to shake their hand. It's good to... And I'll tell you, when you go... Uh, we'll go here. You can't go to the hospital anymore. It's hard to give hospital testimonies because they won't even let you in. Amen. But when you go in the hospital and there's people there, there's times that I've gone in and I knew the Spirit of the Lord was on me. I knew know what God wants to do. He wants to heal this person in bed and I want to do it. And I got in there and there were four and five of their relatives standing around there. And we talked a little bit and talked a little bit more. And I simply said, could you give us just a few seconds and step out in the hall? And are you going to offend people? Yeah. But I want to get them healed too. And I can't do it with four or five unbelievers in the room. Oh, look at them. They hurt so bad, and I don't know what God's doing to them. And baby, get out of here, please. You're cramping my style, baby. Come on. You know, and you can feel it. I'll tell you, when you're under anointed, you can feel it. It's like this closet in there is full of stuff and everything. You, you can't work around stuff like that, praise God. Hallelujah. So what do we want to do? We want to get people delivered. Here it says the second thing is he delivers. Say delivers. Delivers. Now, if you've got the the ability to deliver, then when you run into somebody who is depressed, you ought to deliver them of their depression. Just don't brag them up or try to help them or do whatever. They're insecure, they're bound, and you have power over that enemy. Glory to God. Over that spirit. I mean, James taught on spirits for three weeks or so, praise God. He gave a lot of information, a lot of stuff out there. If you weren't here, go back and listen to it. You may just get some deliverance from it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you for your over-enthusiasm, excitement. Here it says, deliver the captives and also recovery of sight to the blind. Say, recovery of sight to the blind. Now, people have said, you know, this, this is caused in about spiritual blindness. And how I many you know it is? But Jesus also healed the physical blindness in people's lives. So it's talking about both. So what do we do? We're good Christians. So we find somebody who's blind and we buy them a stick. Get them a seen eye dog. Pat ourselves on the back and go away, praise God. But notice, help them across the street. I'm just resaved again, praise God, hallelujah. No, that's not it, glory to God. Here it says we're supposed to open the blind eyes, say open the blind eyes. And how many know that might take a little practice? The first time you do it, it may work, it may not, who knows, praise God. But sooner or later, the word of God is going to manifest in your life by the power of the Spirit when you get doubt and unbelief out of there, praise God. It's going to start working in your life. So here, he not only knew that he had the anointing, but he also knew, praise God, that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he had the power of God to do it. Now, you're never going to work in the power that he had if you will not believe in the power that you've got. You've got to believe. You can see Jesus did. Jesus must preach this everywhere to go. First, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and I'm anointed. Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and I'm anointed. Christians say, I'm so weak, and I'm so poor, I ain't got nothing. Only if God will do something. I don't know why God won't do something. And we, in a way, have caused God to get a bad reputation by not operating the power of God and saying we had the power, which gives him all the power, which means why in the heck if God loved me, won't he heal me? Come on now. Why is there starvation in the world? 
when God's got all the power to do anything he wants. Why are there abortions being done? Where is this God, this almighty God? No, because we're the ones in charge down here. We're the ones with the anointing. We're the ones with the authority. But if you take all that away from a person, then it's all up to God. He's a loving God. He's causing abortion. He's a loving God. He's making people sick. No, he's not, praise God. He commanded the church by the power of the Holy Ghost to go around and do these things. So every time we're not doing it, we're basically giving him another bad name, praise God. All right, look at verse 24. And he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, and when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land, but unto none of them was Elias sent unto the Seraphat, city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And there were many lepers who were in Israel at the time of Elias, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed save Naaman the Syrian. What's he talking about here? He's talking about people who had a covenant with God would not believe in the anointing of God to back up the covenant in which they had. So he didn't cry and moan. He moved on. He moved on to a people who would receive. And how many know Naaman didn't even receive it that good? Go wash seven times and this river, well, my river is just as good as that river. Why should I go? How many know whenever God speaks to you about something, you always argue with your mind? I mean, you always want to have this brain battle with everything, praise God. You've got to determine whether it's coming from here or whether it's coming from here. And if it's coming from here, there'll be peace that passes all understanding. If it comes from here, there'll be confusion that passes all understanding in your mind. So it comes from the inside. So these people would not receive and operate in the anointing of God. How many know there's churches out there today the same way? How many know there's pastors out there the same way? See? And what did they want to do when they heard all this great news about the anointing? Look at verse 28. And they all in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with the Holy Ghost and power, jumped up, praised God, rejoiced, did somersaults, and got all excited. No, and all they that were in the synagogue or the church, they heard these things, and they were filled with... And they rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill where their city was built, and they might cast him off headlong. So how many know this message was not really received that great? Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to try to offend you this morning. Is that okay? <laughs> See, when we operate through every Sunday. <laughs> See, when the Spirit of God moves up here and people are getting touched and people laugh and people shake in the power or jump up and down or dance or do whatever, if you feel like something's rising up in you, it's making you mad or angry about the whole situation and getting upset about what's happening in the church. You don't need to go out the back door. You need to come up and get delivered. Right. See, because there's something called a religious spirit. That religious spirit don't want anything to do with the supernatural at all. It wants to do with all the natural realm. And it will fight you and keep you from getting in the things of the Spirit. Because once you send in the Spirit of God and in the anointing of God, the devil has no chance in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your church, or anywhere else, praise God. So he's going to fight you. And he's going to use your natural mind. The weirdest thing I ever say, that doesn't make sense. Who cares? If you wait for everything to make sense, nothing would make sense. God doesn't even make sense. So that's not it. So we don't want to do that. If something, I don't know if I like that or I don't know. I mean, I've seen people, holy yamaha she. 
There was one older lady. She used to come to this church a long time ago. She doesn't come anymore. She was never really a person who came all the time, but she was here one time. We started laying hands on people. She was in a church, never saw this before. How many know that's the danger time? Never saw anything like that before. So people that day, I was raising my hand, they were flying back a couple feet, and these were falling down before I could even get there, and people shaking on the power, and somebody was up here doing the Watusi dance around and around all over the place. And basically, she needed healing, and she wanted a touch of God, but she didn't want to go up there because she was not going to fall down. He pushes people down, and she was not going to fall down. So somebody sitting aside of her talked her into coming up. So she said, I'm coming up, but I ain't falling down. I mean, she got within three steps of the front fell down on the power of God, had to lay on the floor for two hours. I couldn't even close the church till she got up off the floor. Yet she was going to be one that God wasn't going to touch and knock me down. Nobody going to knock me down. And, and then I think to myself, you know, why? Why would you get somebody that wants it, God? Why would you knock somebody down who... And he basically gave me something very, very important at that time. You know what he said? None of your business. Very deep, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you, we mess up most of our lives on W-H-Y. Why? Why did that happen? Why is this going on? Why is that taking place? Why did they, why, why, why? And you ain't going to figure it out, so you might as well let your brain have a rest. When you die and get to heaven, you're going to have all, most of this stuff figured out. But not now, praise God. So don't lose your faith on it. Don't lose your power on it just because you can't understand why something happened in your life, praise God. If God wants you to know, he will tell you. Hallelujah. All right, go to Acts chapter 10. I mean, if you remember back when you were, you were all brain, when somebody prayed in the Holy Ghost, that was enough to drive you out of that church. They didn't even have to touch anybody, see a manifestation, just you going, mock, I take that, and people don't know how to talk in that church. You went running out the back door. That was a very small manifestation. Are you following me? But it was enough to mess up your brain at that time because you weren't used to that kind of stuff. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right, Acts chapter 10, look at verse 38. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with... Now, how many know Jesus knew he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power? Here it tells you he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good, healing how many? All that were oppressed by the devil because why? Because God was with him. So here's Jesus. He's, the Bible says, anointed. Say anointed. Anointed means rubbed and smeared all over. Say rubbed and smeared all over. So Jesus was rubbed and smeared all over with the Holy Ghost and with, with power. And the church stands there all the time and says, send the Holy Ghost, send the Holy Ghost. And God said, I rubbed and smeared you all over with the Holy Ghost, praise God. You see, that's what you are. Say, I am. am. Rubbed and smeared smeared. all over over. with the Holy Ghost. Ghost. No, we talk about the Holy Ghost being in our hands, being on our feet, being all over you. That's just not a song. That's the truth, praise God. And the more, more faith you put in him, the more manifestation you get from him in your life, praise God. So here's Jesus going around healing all those who are oppressed of the devil. So basically for us to operate in power, you never mind what you can or cannot do. You get your eyes and attention on what he rubbed you with. Hallelujah. What did he rub you with? Listen, if you put faith in what he rubbed you with, the devil won't be able to put anything on you. Why is that? Because the anointing destroys every yoke. You're like in a bubble of oil, praise God, and everything rolls off you, and you're walking in victory all the time. Will things come against you? Absolutely. 
How many of you never want to be attacked again? Ever in your life? Never again? How many of you? I, I can help you. I can help you. Die. How many volunteers do I got? Not very many. That's right. That's right. No, that's the only way you're going to get away from things coming into your life, these irritations coming and all these things taking place, praise God, is that way. So here he was rubbed and smeared with the Holy Ghost and with what? Now notice what he did. He immediately went around doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Now why did he do that? Not because he was half deity, not because he was born of a virgin, not because of this, because not God was for him, but God was with him. Well, how was God with him? In the anointing and Holy Ghost that was upon his life, praise God. And Jesus walked around telling everybody he was anointed. He'd go up to people and he, he told the one blind man, he says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Well, why did he say that? Because he believed he was able to do this. But did they believe that he was able to do this? He was trying to convince them that he had something that the Word of God gave him that would set them free. If you want prayer for healing, do it go to somebody you don't even think is anointed and ask him to lay hands on you. That ain't going to do you no good. So he went around trying to teach people and show people basically that he had the anointing of God and convinced them of the anointing of God of which he had. He always talked about the anointing, praise God. The leper believed it. The leper came and said, if you want to, you can make me clean. In other words, I know you got the anointed power. Do you want to? And how many know he does? And a lot of people ask that question. God can heal me if he wants to. If he wants to, he can. But see, you've got to understand that the anointing of God is now upon people. Say people. I mean, it, ne it never fails to, to mess up my mind that when I was in, in a church, which was sort of, well, it was a religious church, but at that time there were people making large moves and large travel to get to a stone statue that they believed they would get healed if they touched that stone statue. So they would fly to a different country, spend a bunch of money just to get up and a chance to touch that stone statue and to be honest with you, it worketh sometimes. Their Talk about the mercy of God. Their faith was enough in that statue for God to at least touch them and release them. Well, if a stone statue... My God. I just felt something. If a stone statue, through the mercy and love of God, can heal people... How much more can a born-again spirit being filled with the power and the anointing of God, commanded and given the ability to do it, heal people out there more than a stone statue, for God's sakes? But notice, they believed that the stone statue had something. They could have put a sign up by the statue that says, this statue can't help you, it has no power, and it will never help you. How many? No, no, nobody would have went there. They wouldn't even try to get there, would they? So praise God. Notice, you have to know that you have the anointing. Say, I have the anointing. I have the anointing. I need, to I need to have my horn, have my horn. Filled, filled with oil. All right, one more, Ephesians chapter 5. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. All right, here's the word for today. Are you ready? Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days they are what? Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be 
with the Spirit. Now, is this a, well, if you feel like it in this day and hour, if you, if you, if you got a good day going, go ahead and be filled. You know, praise God. If you don't want to be, no problem. Don't worry about it. No, he's telling you. And notice, once again, he, he equates being filled with the Spirit in the natural with being what? Drunk. Drunk. Remember Pentecost Day? These are not, as you suppose, what were they? They were filled with the Holy Ghost and they looked like they were. So I don't understand how people can argue when people get filled with the Spirit and do crazy things, you know. I mean, when I used to drink alcohol, I did some wild things, praise God. I'll tell you what, right now, hallelujah, glory to God. And thank you. There's two other people in here that acted like me before they got saved. I feel bad. I thought I was the only one, praise God. Glory to God. That's good. Give Ben a star over here that he threw up and praise. All right, let's keep this PG, praise God. Come on. So notice here, first of all, it tells you to redeem the time. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time on this world and what's going on and all the bad stuff and this is happening and that's happening. Don't waste your time, but know what the will of the Lord is. Now, how are you going to know the will of the Lord if you don't know the word of the Lord? So we want to know the word of the Lord. His word is his will, praise God. And then it tells you not to be drunk, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, what happens when you're filled with the Holy Ghost? Verse 19, I'm speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in my heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. So you can be filled and continuously filled in the Spirit of the Lord. Are you following me? And when you do that, you'll be constantly speaking to yourself. How many know you're speaking to yourself all day long anyway? He's always talking to you. You're driving down the road, you're speaking something to yourself. Well, he tells you here, don't speak the world's problems. Don't speak the bad news. Don't look at the bad news. Don't look at, don't get with people who drain you of the anointing that you have. He says, speak psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And this has helped me so much since I stepped in probably about two years ago. Now, I don't know how long, when I stepped into the music team. The music team had basically disbanded. They went different places. They moved and all this stuff. And at that time, we had to do it. And God said, you take over the music and you sing the songs. I want upbeat songs. I want songs that are on the word of God only. In line with the word of God only. Don't feel me and touching me anymore. That ain't doing no good to the body of Christ. So we started doing that. But when we got all these songs and still do, when I get the thing from Chrissy, I've got to listen to those songs. And for some reason, I find myself going around singing those songs without thinking about singing those songs because I've sang those songs and now they're in there and they come out of the inside of me. So what am I doing? I'm constantly singing these songs without even knowing I'm singing these songs and I'm speaking to myself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making milk. See, whatever's in your heart in abundance will come out of your mouth and get into your mind. That's why you've got to stay away from bad days. you got bad days because you think bad days. You speak bad days. You speak you sing bad days. You do all that. You just do it. You're thinking negative stuff about yourself, about the, whoa, what's this world going to do? Praise God. It doesn't matter. If we get out of here, we get out of here. I heard it's better on the other side. Yes. Never been there. I'd sure like to talk to somebody that I know has been there, but so far nobody's come back and said anything to me at this point. But how many of you know, there's no reason to even be afraid of death. How many of you know that? Because there is no real death, praise God. We're going to live how long? Forever and ever and ever. So he says what you need to do is be continuously filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, back when I was a drinker, I drank most of my time because I had problems and issues. And for those five, six, seven, eight, nine hours, I didn't have any problems and I didn't have any issues. I didn't care about nothing. You understand? I was just happy. Praise God. Well, now you've got to equate it on the other side. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, all those little worries, all those little cares... All those little fears, 
leave your life, and you can be happy in every situation and everything that's going on in your life. You know, we went over yesterday, and we spent the day with the grandbaby again. And how many of you know, she just don't have any worries or cares. The only thing she had was when they gave her ice cream and they couldn't shovel it in fast enough, she went, mm. <laughs> And that didn't mean I'm hoping and praying for more. That means you better give me more and you better do it right now, praise God. She's got boldness too, praise God. But notice, she's not worried about the bills. She's not worried about the economy. She's not worried about what's going on in the government. She's not worried about all these things. She's a baby. She's just enjoying life, praise God. I mean, give her a plastic bottle. She's happy for 15 minutes. See, but as we grow up, we want to solve all the world's problems, and you weren't put here to solve them all. You were put here to do something for the kingdom of God by the power of the God and the anointing of God that you have on the inside of you. But in order to do that, you're going to have to be filled. Yes. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And it's not, not something you try to do. You just be filled. He doesn't say become filled, try to be filled. He says be filled. So every morning I say, thank you, Lord. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost today. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's just like when you got saved. How many of you know didn't earn it? Didn't do anything to get it. You just said, okay, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. Thanks you for paying for my sin. There it came. It's spiritual. Praise God. Hallelujah. So you need to be filled. Say, I need to, I need to be, filled be filled with the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. All right, stand up this morning.